Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. All right. Well, today we are uh, going through Advent again, and we are in week two, and this week we're talking about peace, peace that God gives. And so uh, today, as we look at that, we're going to be in Matthew chapter two. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull those out, page 800 in the Burgundy Bible. If you want to look at the Burgundy Bible, the Bible that's in the seat in front of you, we'll be going through there as well. But in Matthew chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 13 to 16. Now, peace in the Bible is listed 243 times. That's a lot of peace, isn't it? I mean, uh, you would think that since it's listed that many times that we would then have world peace going on in our lives today, but we don't have global peace, do we? We don't have it. Why do we not have it? We're going to look at that today. We're going to look at how we can have peace as individuals even in the midst of the storms in this world. So let's go ahead and start reading Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. It says, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I return to you, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night... Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Let's pray. Lord, I just come before you, and I thank you so much that we can have peace in our lives. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would grab every heart right now, every person in here, and that you would touch the heart and bring people to you. God, I know there's people that they came today because they were encouraged, they were drugged, they were forced, they were bugged, they were brought, they were loved on. Uh, everybody's got a different reason. But God, I know that you intended every soul in this room right now to be here this morning for this message. So I pray that you would be the one to let them know that you want to give them peace in their life. I pray that your Holy Spirit will just draw all mankind to you this morning in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, if you got your listening guide, pull those out. Uh, the first thing, as we're looking at this together, is that we want to see that Jesus' birth and life did not bring world peace. It didn't. Matter of fact, as you're seeing here, it brought some pretty ugly things going on with Herod. If you are expecting world peace... In your lifetime, there's only one of two ways you can get it. One, the return of Christ and his establishment of his kingdom on earth, or a southern version of world peace, which is the picture on the screen now. Yes, that's world peace. That's all you'll have. Sorry, I couldn't resist. 
<laughs> All right. So, so why can we not have world peace? If Christ came into the world, why is there no global or world peace? Well, even as Christ comes, he's causing a disturbance where he's at, is he not? This little baby that, that had no power or authority as a newborn causes a disturbance in the whole nation. You see, God gave the wise men this vision. He showed them this, this star that they could follow to the new world leader. And these guys, they must have been astrologers. We, we don't really know who they were. Some traditions give them names, but we don't have names for them in the Bible. And so we don't know exactly who they were. But what we do know is they came a long way to worship the Christ because they believed he was going to be the world leader. Now, the mistake they made, and this blows my mind that they're that smart they could figure all that out, the mistake they made was to go to the current world leader of that area and say, hey, good news, your replacement is here. <laughs> Surprise, Herod was not excited. He was greatly disturbed and all of the nation with him. Well, I understand why. It's called jealousy, right? Jealousy of this Messiah that had come. Now, thankfully for Jesus and his family, God sent an angel and told them, get out of town as quick as you can, because Herod is upset. And they fled to Egypt. Well, there wasn't world peace. Herod was upset. He sent his soldiers to that town. We don't know. God may have told the, all the parents that had kids two and under to, to hit the road. Maybe some did, maybe some didn't. But if you lived in Bethlehem as the soldiers came that day, you would not have called the idea that Jesus was bringing world peace because he didn't come for world peace. Matter of fact, with his disciples, you can skip over to the book of Luke. Luke is in the New Testament. Luke chapter 12, verse 49 to 52, he's speaking to the disciples about him coming and the fact that he's not bringing peace. Luke 12, 49 to 52, he says this. He says, I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I have come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Now, that doesn't sound like peace, does it? If Christ came to bring peace, why is he saying that there's no peace in the homes when he comes? He says two will be against three and three will be against two. Why in the world is that? Because he came into a world that is broken, he came into a world where sin is rampant. He came into a world where evil is reigning in many areas. And I was trying to wrap my head around it because to be transparent, this has always kind of bugged me a little bit that he says that I'll be splitting families. And as I thought about that, why, how, what does that look like? And then I, the picture came to me as I was preparing. 
Imagine a police officer whose job is to uphold the law. And he gets invited to a party, and he goes into the party, and in that party, as he goes to the home, there are people sexually abusing children. There are people that are stoned out of their mind. There are people doing illegal drug sales in front of him. Now, as he walks in, does he bring peace in that moment? What does he do? Can you imagine what he would have thought in that moment as a police officer? He needs to take action, but it just so happens that house belongs to his brother-in-law. Can you imagine the turmoil? That's what happens when Christ comes into home. When he brings righteousness and truth into home, there are those that are there that they don't want that. They like the status quo. They like the thing, the fact that everybody's dysfunctional because it allows them to continue in their addictions, allows them to continue in their lives that they're living. But when truth comes into the house, all of a sudden conviction comes, and that's inconvenient, right? And so when Christ walked into this world with purity and righteousness, and he began proclaiming the truth, the religious leaders didn't like it because he was preaching love, grace, and forgiveness instead of following the exact letter of the law, which was where they were finding their worth. They didn't like it because they had been able to control the people by their rhetoric, and Jesus is coming to set people free. And so the forces of evil do not like it when Jesus walks into the room. And not just the forces of evil, but even those of us who who maybe are good people, but when we're confronted by purity and righteousness and holiness, all of a sudden, we have a mirror in front of ourselves and we realize that there may be some things in our lives that we're bringing to the table that, that we need to be repenting of. And I, I was trying to wrap my head around, that makes sense to me. That when Christ came and he empowered the disciples to bring this good news. They weren't bringing peace because some people wanted to follow the way of Christ and some people didn't. And it was a big divide. And I feel like it's the divide a lot of ways that we're seeing in our culture today. There's a bigger and bigger divide. And, and people, why? Because if we're going to follow Christ, we're going to follow the way he's led us, the way he's taught us, we cannot go along with culture in so many areas. And people want to accuse us of being judgmental, and if you're being judgmental, that's wrong. But it's not judgmental to say, these are my beliefs, this is what the Bible says, and I will stand on these beliefs. And will that cause peace with everybody? No, because there's a lot of people that don't want to follow the beliefs of Christ. And therefore, houses may be divided. For me, when I got saved, I was 16 years old, and uh, I came home from the church that night, fired up for the Lord, excited, wanted to tell my family. My mom and dad were great people. What I mean by that is they loved me, they loved my sister, they worked hard for us, they wanted a better life for us than they had had, and they worked hard to give that to us. And I'm so, so thankful. But the one thing they didn't have was God. And so my, my dad believed there's a creator up there somewhere. My mom was an atheist. And, and so when I came home excited about Jesus, it did not bring peace in our home. I remember a couple of initial conversations, and, and then I, I had my own car. So I, I started going to church Wednesday night for 
for youth. Sunday morning for church, I wanted to stay for what we call big church. And then I'd go back on Sunday night for youth discipleship, and I was like all in. And my mom pulled me aside after a couple of weeks. She said, it's got to stop. She said, you're becoming a fanatic. She said, I'm afraid if I let you keep going this way, you're going to start selling roses on the street corner, and you're going to start shaving your head. And I was excited about the Lord, but all of a sudden, my excitement with the Lord was not bringing peace in my home. The status quo was, was upended. The apple cart was turned over. And when the apple cart gets turned over, the owner of the apple cart is not a happy camper, right? So when Christ came into this world, his righteousness, his presence did not bring world peace because the world leaders want to control people. They want to keep their power. They want it to be their way. And the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ is forgiveness and grace and mercy and love. It's hard to control people when you're forgiving them and loving them. It's hard to control people and get them to do what you want them to do if you're showing them grace and mercy and forgiveness. It's so much easier when you can hold their failures over them and you can crush them with your manipulation and power. So when you read this, just know the reason there's no world peace even though Christ has come is because there is still sin and Satan in the world. And Christ stands as a, as a testimony of righteousness, love, and purity in this world. So, evil does what evil does. And that is, it tries to set a fire. It tries to destroy families. And Christ came not to bring peace, but truth and love. Well, second thing is that peace comes from knowing that neither Satan nor the world has power over us. Peace comes from knowing that neither Satan nor the world can have power over us. This is where you get your peace as an individual. When you realize that Satan can't force you to do anything, you have authority over Satan. That the world can't force you to do anything, you have the Holy Spirit, you have wisdom, you have strength to conquer the lies of Satan. We can see truth because we have truth in us if we follow Christ. Flip over, if you would, to John chapter 14. John 14, and we're going to read 30 and 31, and then I'll skip over to John 16, two chapters later, and read verse 30 and 32. Now, Jesus is getting towards the end of his ministry, and he's trying to prepare them for what's ahead, and he's trying to give them hope. So verse 30 says, I don't have much more time to talk to you, because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. Underline that if you got your Bibles out. He has no power over me. Satan has no power over us. I, sometimes I feel like we try to give Satan way too much power in the movies and in books, like Satan has his power over us. He does not. He does not. Now, does he have the power to tempt us? Yes. Does he have the power to, under the authority of Christ to even bring pain sometimes? Yes. But he does not have authority over you. Okay? Verse 31. 
But I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Then skip down to John 16, just two chapters later. He's closer to his end time, and he's preparing them again. John 16, 32 and 33 says, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one of you going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So this is what I want you to see, is that we can have peace in Jesus Christ. We may not have peace in the world. Listen, junk is going to come. Do you see that? It doesn't say I'm going to pull you out of the world and everything's going to be great. It doesn't say that I'm going to let you guys be in a bubble, this really cool bubble that no matter what people try to do, they can't touch you. No. What he says is in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's where our peace comes from. For 2,000 years, that's how followers of Christ have walked in peace because we know that in the end, we have a, a home with the Lord in heaven. We have the promise of our names written in the Lamb's book of life. Not because of what we have done, but because of who Christ is and what he has done. That's where the peace comes. So that when the junk and the trials and the garbage comes, we can have peace because we know he has overcome the world. And then we know we can have peace because in 32 there, 1632, he says, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. I've told you this so you may have peace in me. Multiple times, Jesus says, I will be with you always, even to the ends of age. When we make a decision to follow Christ, when we pray and say, Lord, we're all in, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. And at that point, we always have the Lord with us. We are never alone. Do you feel alone sometimes? Anybody feel alone sometimes? You ever had that dark night of the soul? I love that expression. I read that somewhere, dark night of the soul. A, a moment where it feels like nobody's there for you, where it's like your family's too busy, your friends aren't returning your calls, you send out a little plea for help, and it feels like nobody cares, and you're in this dark moment of the soul. Some of you feel like you're there right now. Like, coming here today may be your, your last-ditch effort. You're like, God, where are you? I need you, but I don't feel you. Just so you know, as, a, as your pastor, there are times that I have not felt God. There are times I've cried out. The worst time in my life, probably, since I've been a follower of Christ, uh, happened about 20 years ago. My son was in the hospital having brain surgery, we found out he had a, a, a situation, and so we took him down to a hospital to have brain surgery. Everything went well. We were excited. We brought him back home to Cookville. We were celebrating. He was doing better than we expected. And then all of a sudden, he started having these seizures where he would grab his head and scream and kick and flail like somebody was, was torturing him. My wife called me. I, we called the hospital. They said, well, it's probably just this, this, this. If it happens again, let us know. So it happened again. Matter of fact, it happened on a Sunday. I was preaching first service. We had two services. 
and I had preached the first service. She called me, and she said, it, it's happened again. What do we do? And I just handed my, took my outline, and I handed it to Steve Chapman, who was with us at the time, and said, Steve, you're preaching second service. I'm out of here. And uh, some people said it was better than the first, but that's <laughs> irrelevant. That's irrelevant. I just, I just ignore the lies. I ignore the lies. Okay. <laughs> so we jumped in the car. We drove down there uh, for what became like a 27-day saga of being in the hospital trying to figure out what's causing this. Somewhere about in week three, I mean, we were exhausted. They couldn't figure it out. Somewhere about week three, I had a nurse who came in and said, son, are you making this up? Are you pretending to have these headaches so that you can get the attention of your dad? Does he not spend any time with you? Is this your way of getting his attention so he'll be there with you? Now, granted, I'm in the room in that moment. <laughs> I'm like, I'm here, you know? And I said, ma'am, I said, he's not making this up. He's in obvious pain. She said, well, it just seems to come and go like a phantom. I, I think he's just doing it to get your attention when you're in the room. I, I said, ma'am, you, you just need to leave. And she left, and I got on my face, and I started weeping. And I was like, Lord, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. If she comes back in, I'm throwing her out the window, <laughs> and then I'm jumping. Because, I, I mean, I was just so broken and so tired. And that's the worst dark night of the soul I ever had. And I just cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, I, just, I need your supernatural peace. I need your help because I can't feel it. I don't see it. We're 20-something days into this, and it just seems to be get, getting worse. And I cried out to the Lord. About an hour later, I got a phone call from somebody from Cookville. They called me up and said, hey, it just so happens, which you know what that means, right? God planned something from the beginning of time. It just so happens that I was in Florida and the hurricane's coming, so I chose to take an early flight home and I'm in Nashville waiting for my ride. It's going to be about three or four hours so they can swing by. Is it okay if I come by and visit you at the hospital? I heard your son's in the hospital. I said, that would be awesome. And he came, and, and he asked a question, how's it going? And I just, blah, you know what I'm saying? I just, I just threw up all over him and just said, man, I, it's horrible. This is what's going on feel like nobody's listening, haven't seen the doctor in like three, four days. They, want, they don't want to talk to me. This is what the nurse said to me today. And I'm just, I said, honestly, you're a godsend because I, I was about to lose my mind. And he prayed with me and, uh, and he left. And I was like, Lord, you are so good. You sent him to me to let me know I was not alone. And I thought that was it. And I was so thankful to God. Well, then a couple hours, maybe an hour, hour and a half later, all of a sudden a couple of nurses start coming in and checking some vitals and checking some things. And then the doctor shows up, which, I mean, he hadn't been there in days. And usually it's a big deal that trying to get the doctor there. He just shows up and he starts asking me questions and saying, we're going to try new things. We're going to look. I'm like, what is going on? He left. And then the nurse that almost got thrown out the window came in. <laughs> And, uh, and she says to me, she says, who do you know? I said, what do you mean? She said, who, who do you know? 
I said, ma'am, respectfully, I don't even know what you're talking about. She said, well, we just got the phone call that, that you got bumped up to presidential status. I said, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> she said, well, well, that's basically what they do for country music stars and politicians here is when somebody's really important, we kind of focus. I said, ma'am, all I know is when you left the room, I got on my knees and I wept before God. So that's who I know. I know the Lord. She said, no, you know somebody. <laughs> you know somebody and you called them. I said, I did not. And she left and I thought, what in the world's going on? So I called my buddy Todd that had just left like an hour earlier. I said, Todd, I said, you won't believe what happened. I said, the doctor's been here. The nurses have been here. They said, I got something called presidential status. I said, did, did, you, did you call somebody or something? And he said, well, maybe. <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, just so happens my roommate in college is the CEO of the hospital now. <laughs> he said, so I made a phone call. Only God. Only God. I didn't know Todd was roommates with the guy who was the CEO. If I'd have tried to get on the phone, calling the CEO, I never would have got to that fella, right? Only God. Listen, I don't know what dark night of the soul you're in right now or you've been in, but you need to know that God has not deserted you. You need to know if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you are his son or his daughter, and he is with you. You need to know that things may look dark as all get out and you don't have peace in the moment, but you can have peace in your life because he is with you. But you gotta call out. You gotta want him more than you want what you want. You gotta empty yourself and say, God, I'm all in. I need your peace, not my peace. I need your way, not my way. I need your truth, not the world's truth. I need your direction, not Satan's direction. I want to go all in. And let me tell you, that moment, special moment in my life. You probably have your own special moment. A time when you had a dark night of the soul and the Lord showed up. Or again, maybe you're in that moment right now and you're needing that. I want to encourage you, cry out. Cry out and ask the Lord. Jesus tells us he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And so I started looking at problems as opportunities. Realizing if God is with me and, and bad things are still happening to me, which Jesus says they still will, maybe those bad things are happening for a reason. So my car breaks down. I figure my mechanic needs another invitation to church. I do. I really do. My HVAC goes out. I figure it's time to pray with my HVAC guy again. And we pray a lot, sadly, <laughs> in a good way. That's good. The prayer is good. In fact, I call him is not. But uh, if I have a heart attack, maybe that's time for me to reset my priorities. If my child is struggling in something and walking away from God or wrestling, that's my 911 call to be on my knees. I don't know what you're in, but whatever it is, I want to encourage you. Cry out to the Lord. He is near. 
He will never leave you nor forsake you. And you can have peace knowing that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Third thing is God offers us a supernatural peace. Not a regular peace, but a supernatural peace. This peace is tied to your faith. It's tied to your understanding of God. Simeon was a man of, of faith. If you ask your Bibles again, turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read about this man named Simeon. Simeon doesn't get a lot of press at Christmas time. He, you know, we got the uh, nativity out here, which, by the way, thanks to all the folks that came out and helped us set up the Christmas lights. Uh, they should be up and running next weekend, and uh, it'll be a orchestrated show, that choreographed show, I guess that's how you say it, and our goal is just to point people to Jesus, and if you want to go out there and, and welcome them with me, man, let me know. I want to have as many people out there. We're going to pass out candy canes and welcome them and invite them to the Christmas Eve service, but on the uh, manger scene there or here, none of the manger scenes you have will have Simeon in the manger scene, right? He doesn't get first-rate billing. It's just a story, about eight verses. But we see a man of faith. Luke chapter 2, 25 to 32 says this. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present their baby, Jesus, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Now, the Spirit of the Lord led him, and he obeyed. This is the supernatural peace we get. When the Spirit of the Lord leads you to do something and you say yes, there is a supernatural peace. I, I've always had a trouble, a hard time, explaining how to hear the voice of God because God speaks in different ways, and, and yet if you are listening to him in prayer, if you're seeking him, if you're calling out to him, and then you're willing to get silent it's amazing how many times he will literally whisper something to you. Sometimes it's somebody's name, like, hey, call so-and-so. And I'll pick up the phone and call so-and-so, and it's amazing how they're like, how did you know? And I'm like, I didn't know anything. They said, well, my dad died yesterday. I was really struggling. I'm, think I'm like, thank you, Holy Spirit, for nudging me to call. And this supernatural peace comes from the fact that God will speak to you and give you answers when you call out and ask him. He will speak into your life as you're going through difficult situations saying, Lord, I need your help. I need your insight. I need your wisdom. He will speak into your life and give that to you. That's the supernatural peace that we can have. Simeon experienced that supernatural peace. He was obviously a man of God because uh, the Lord said, I won't take your life until you see the Messiah. How cool is that? Like he had this confidence already that God had given him a word. 
on that. And then when he sees the baby, it's a day that it says the Spirit prompted him to go. Now, this is where I want to tell you, sometimes it's hard to know, is it the Holy Spirit or is it Taco Bell for lunch, right? It's like sometimes they both move me, okay? And so, and so how, do you, how do you know which one it is? Here's how you know, okay? You may want to write this down. If your heart is right with God and you're seeking him, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you will find. Are you asking? Are you seeking? And then the third is, are you listening? If he whispers, are you saying yes? Something as simple as, hey, maybe it was this past Saturday and somebody invited you to serve at Lighthouse Christian Camp or the Foster Closet. And you heard that invitation and all of a sudden something whispered and said, yes. Did you go? Or did you pull out your calendar and tell them the seven things you had to do to fix at your house, the reason you can't go serve? Or the Lord whispers somebody, you're praying, let's say you're praying for your kids and all of a sudden the Lord whispers, write them a letter and ask forgiveness for that time. You were a jerk when they were 12 years old because you never said you were sorry for that time. And you're thinking, that was 10 years ago. Surely not, Lord. That would be embarrassing. Shut up and write the letter. Because if the Holy Spirit's whispering to you, then that's probably something they are still mulling over and they've never told you. The Holy Spirit knows their prayers. You see this? The Holy Spirit knows everybody else's prayers. And so he may just be prompting you so that their prayers can be answered. Isn't that cool? This supernatural peace that God gives comes from him. Simeon saw it, and uh, I, I just, I've, the last thing in that is I've learned to just say if I'm 51%, if I'm 51% sure it's God nudging me, it's, it's not unbiblical, it's not immoral, and I feel this nudge it used to be I had to have like 80 to 90%. Like I really had to feel like this is definitely God. But I've moved to 51%. If I'm just a little bit over halfway and it's not unbiblical, it's not ungodly, it's not immoral, it's just calling somebody. Usually it's an inconvenience to me. Usually that's what it is. Like, hey, Steve, just go cut your neighbor's yard. You know they're going through a tough time. Hey, just go drop off that cash. They you know they're struggling. Hey, call that person that's going through divorce. They need a word of encouragement. And I've just learned if I'm better than 51%, I'm pulling the trigger. I'm like, okay, God, I'll give it a shot. And it has been some of the most fun I've had as a follower of Jesus just the last several years. Seeing God nudge me, me say yes, and seeing him do something cool. Something that I couldn't, couldn't even figure out on my own ever. Well, John 14 tells us about this advocate and how we can have this peace. John 14, verses 26 to 29, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. I'm leaving you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a, a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I'll come back to you again. 
if you really love me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they happen, you will believe. A peace that the world cannot give. It's a supernatural peace. It's the fact that we know that if we walk with God, we can walk in victory every day. Are you going through a tough spell in your marriage? Are you turning it over to God? Listen, marriage isn't easy. Been married 29 years. We had some rough ones through the seasons. But thankfully, we had Christ. And as we leaned back into him and saw his presence in our lives and the lives of each other, we pressed on. And I'm grateful for it. But we sought wisdom. We sought advice. We sought counsel. Some of you may just be going through that in your marriage right now. You don't have peace in your marriage. And you need to seek out biblical, godly counsel Prayer and encouragement. Some of you are in here and you got a broken relationship with your kids, with your parents. And there's some unrest there and man, it, it tears your heart. And you can't always fix it. Don't, don't get me wrong. Listen, if there's two people involved, you can only do your part, but you can start with your part. And start praying, asking the Lord how you can bring peace in that relationship. And then what about your community? Sadly, because the devil's a liar and because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, we will never have true peace in this community or any community because the devil's always going to be stirring it up until Jesus comes back. But you and I can have peace in our minds and peace in our hearts knowing that we have done and are doing all that God has called us to do that he has given us an opportunity for peace in our minds and in our hearts. I want to ask you if you would to stand with me. If you're here today, I just want to ask you, do you have peace? If not, what is it that you're holding on to? What is it that you're not giving up to God that's, that's keeping you from that peace? Perhaps you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Listen, I, I, I went to church a lot with friends before I ever became a Christian. And maybe you're here with a friend today and you've not yet become a Christian. I just want to tell you, it's awesome. I just want to tell you the peace is real. The peace in your mind and heart is real. God loves you and that's why he sent Jesus Christ so that we could be forgiven because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that we can be forgiven for our junk and then we can be living in peace, sharing that peace and truth with those around us and seeing it spread. So as Chris leads, if you're feeling like you just need to, need to talk with somebody, and maybe give your life to Christ, maybe just share a story and have someone pray over you, then over here to my right, there are some kneeling benches. You can just come and kneel, and one of our team will come and pray over you. They'll say, how can I pray for you? And you tell them, and they'll pray over you. To my left, if you want to just do, uh, do business with God one-on-one, you come over here, and you just pray, whatever it is. Maybe you just need to lay a burden before Him. Maybe you're struggling with peace, and you just need to come and lay that on the, on the altar. 
then come and pray over here. Nobody will bother you. Our team won't come pray with you. That's just between you and God. And then in the back, we have the prayer room. And in the prayer room, we'll have a husband and wife that'll just let you unpack whatever it is. Whatever you're walking through, they'll just let you unpack it and pray with you over whatever that is. I'll be down front. And if you've never given your life to Christ, I'd love to, to pray with you. I got to pray with somebody last week and see them come to follow Jesus and the joy that that's bringing. And it's real. It's, it's not hocus pocus. It's not religion. It's, it's real. The Holy Spirit is real. He loves you. He wants to give you that peace. But you've got to take a step. You've got to take a step. Now, maybe God just leads you to stand where you're at and pray for those around you. That's fine. But whatever God's doing, as Chris leads, you sing and, and just invite the Lord to speak to you. That's what this time is for, just a time to connect with God. <laughs>